You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining me on another episode of Your Dose of Death podcast. As always, my name is Lauren Rosenberg. Thank you guys so much for joining me each and every single week on this fantastic podcast. As always, thank you to everyone, including, of course, my sponsors. Of course, Grateful Death Match. Make sure you hit them up with that promo code of DEATH for free shipping across the United States and beyond. And, of course, make sure you hit up Crimson Mask at officialcrimsonmasks.bigcartel.com and make sure you put in the promo code of YDOD for that John Wayne Murdoch bundle, the Duke of Hardcore bundle. That is some awesome stuff. And, of course, you guys are wondering who I have on today. I have someone who actually asked to be on this podcast. I was, as always, glad to have him on. He is an incredible expert, deathmatch, of all things deathmatch journalism, and all things of the Japan deathmatch scene as well. A man who has made the rounds and, of course, is also a fellow podcaster hosting, of course, the highly acclaimed World of Deathmatch podcast on the GCW Patreon. Of course, I am joined by none other than Mr. Stephen A. himself. Stephen, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing very good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's another day in the life. Can't complain, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I complain a lot, so. <laughs> well, some people like to say that. Some people also like to say you're very insightful. Um, of course, you and Alex Cologne host the very um, well-critically acclaimed World of Deathmatch podcast on the GCW Patreon. And um, really, th- I, I would like to personally say it's thanks to you guys. Really opened up my eyes to the Japanese side of the Deathmatch world without that common knowledge or so i wouldn't really be able to do these kind of things of course um you have been really great and giving great insight to the japanese scene so i do want to personally thank you and i think many people would like to thank you as well for just kind of opening up um their horizons so of course um many people still may or may not know who you are um i just want you to give kind of like a little background of um your let's say like occupation in the business other of course than podcasting and um sure what you have done throughout um your time as a wrestling fan slash journalist sure i mean uh i'm 34 i've been into wrestling since forever i grew up in toledo toledo ohio where icp was a big deal i literally saw uh the Shawn michaels undertaker hell in the cell that was my first time seeing wrestling and then a month later i saw what's the video called Stranglemania, right and i had the internet i was one of those kids i had a, a library and i knew how to use the internet to get like cheat codes so i was searching stuff and i was buying japanese wrestling tapes at the age of 11 or 12 with money orders you know sending money orders through the mail to strangers and you know um i've always been just deep into the japanese stuff um i'm one of the old school dudes and um and i was deep into the internet i was one of the first guys on the internet um which now now the internet's ruined but um 
this was back when it was still, uh, you know, kind of pure a little bit, I guess. So um, I was I was just a fan and I, I've had my waxes and wanings of being a fan. But, um, you know, I can honestly say, like, of all the people on the Internet kind of being vocal about things, I was there and saw all of it. I ran a Big Japan fan website as a kid when I was like 12 and 13 and 14. So I was writing results and news and all this type of stuff. So, you know, I have like that little memory in the back of my head about how all of this works, about the CZW wars and stuff. And, um, and yeah, so that was just who I was for a while. And then one day uh, uh, I, uh, I got in contact with Bahu, FMW guy, and through a lot of happenstance, we started the history of FMW podcast. And that got me even deeper into, and I was writing like a newsletter literally for fun. I've worked in Asia since 2014 uh, and you had a lot. And I remember I went to a Tokyo Deathmatch Carnival show in 2018 or 17. I can't remember which year. And I left and I saw some guys on a message board saying something that wasn't true. Like, oh, uh, yeah, Jun Kasai is the big Japan champion. And I was like, that's not true. I'm sick of seeing things that, that aren't true. That bothers me. So on the plane ride home from Japan, I wrote up a big review of the Tokyo Deathmatch Carnival show. And that became a newsletter. And it's just kind of spiraled from there. As far as my involvement in the wrestling business, I don't really have any. Um, I know uh, Brett through just getting reports from shows through him and um, things like that. And then when they wanted to launch the Patreon over COVID, he was like, hey, do you want to launch a show? I'm always hesitant to do podcasts because they're so – can I swear on the show? Go ahead. There, there's so fucking many podcasts. It's like crazy. But <laughs> – um, to any of your listeners who may not be on the Patreon, um, there was a certain person in the business who made the comment of, why would I pay for a podcast? Alex has some show and I'm not going to pay for a, a podcast. Then you're missing out. Um, you know, I set out when we started the world of deathmatch, uh, podcast, I had like a little kind of a show Bible of sorts. And I was like, this is what I want the show to be. And this is what I don't want it to be. Um, I take, I, I I think that we have a, a really good show that examines the business that doesn't pull punches. We don't just sit around half drunk, just, you know, blowing wrestlers and, you know, like we, it's a real show, you know, and it, it's, you know, I kind of base it off of like the Dave Meltzer show where he says, Hey, look, this didn't work. This did work. The, the, these were the the gates this is the history of the belt you know we do retro retrospectives we do like deep dives on like history so i'm sorry i go on for forever but yeah that's basically it man well no (laughs) i very much appreciate it because um i've been a listener of the world of deathmatch podcast since day one um and i know i've talked before on other podcasts about how i started this podcast but um Definitely the work that you and Alex Cologne put in each and every week kind of helped inspire me to kind of do my own thing, not carbon copy and whatnot, but it definitely has helped me as well. Um, trying to like find my own footing. And um, of course, um, having you on this show was an absolute must when I decided to start this. And um, for those of you that don't know, Steven was one of the very first people when I decided, I told him I wanted to do a podcast. I had to have you on. 
And now a few months later, we're doing this as well. So I uh, personally thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule, of course, as well. Um, you do, as you said, you do live in Japan since 2014, you said? Well, I've lived in China, but I can fly to Japan. Now I've lived in Japan since COVID started. So yeah, ah. but yeah. Um, so I think a good question to start off with in the the world of the Jap- of Japanese death matches, um, I know you you always have your eye on the scene. It's always evolving in a way, but really, if people want to start watching um, Japanese death matches or those, those kind of shows, where would you point them in the direction of? Like, what's the direction you'd point them in? Oh man, that's, uh, I mean, that's a hard question to answer. Okay. So, um, I'm going to speak very really, um, you know, uh, on Twitter, you have the real hero, the real hero uploads, anything that's on samurai TV, uh, will get uploaded to the real hero Twitter uh, account. And that's for big Japan freedoms, blah, blah, blah. Um, they do have smaller shows. These companies, mm-hmm. you can find a lot of those on a service called Nico Nico. But um, we also have a World of Deathmatch Discord, which I don't know how people are can find it. If you hit any of us up on Twitter, we can add you. But that has a community where we try to share uh, some of the Japanese shows. Um, you used to be able to find this stuff on YouTube, but Samurai TV has shut that down hard, um, which, hey, it's their copyrighted stuff. They can do anything they want with it. Good for them. So, yeah, I would say the uh, the Real Hero Twitter account and then the World of Deathmatch Discord server is where you're going to be able to really be able to keep track of it and watch it in, like, basically real time as as stuff comes out. Um, that's the easy answer. Yeah, uh, the easy answer is always the best answer, in my opinion. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's definitely if um, after this episode, if you're curious about the World of Deathmatch Discord, definitely hit me or Steven up. We're both part of that. Um discord always happy to lend a hand in helping more people find more deathmatch content or if they're new to the world of deathmatch no pun intended um they can definitely come our way so of course um right now though freedoms i would highly recommend as well because they just have been on another level since really the last few years I know you've been attending a few shows here and there for Freedoms. Um, what was the most recent show you were at for Freedoms? Uh, the most recent one was a Shinkiba show. That was the the Shinkiba show. I think it was June. Man, I don't know. It was one with the <laughs> glass board main event, the tag team glass board main event. Yeah. Um. Oh, who was that? I think it was a who was that main event in that main event? It was uh Takeda and Violento Jack against um Toru Segura and Kasai in a glass board match in Shikiba, which you know they don't do and I keep on saying the glass board match because they don't do glass boards at Sh- at Shinkiba. But what happened was uh that match was supposed to be the main event of a uh a Kurokan Hall show in May that got canceled because of COVID. Well, by Japanese it, it, it's I don't know, custom, I guess they have to give you the main event that they promised you. So they moved the glass board show to Shinkiba. Now what people don't know is in Shinkiba, you're four feet from the ring. Like you're right against the ring. And, um, uh, man, when that 
glass board exploded. It rained down on me and it, it cut through my clothes. And I'm like, Oh, oh wow. I was like, this is da- like, this is dangerous. You know, like they really shouldn't be putting glass boards this close to the ring or to the crowd. But you know, that's my opinion. But yeah, I mean, freedoms, you know, um, Pete, you know, uh, one thing that I think if I could clear up anything for like casual viewers, there is a huge difference between, between big Japan and freedoms. It's not like in America where, you know, companies are kind of just like uh, they're operated by a cell phone. You know what I mean? Like yeah. here in Japan, these companies are really companies. They they have employees under contract. If you're a contract employee, you have health care benefits. You know what I mean? It's like a real company. And so y- you do have the freelance guys like, you know, Masashi Takeda and a few others that ma- that will move between the, the companies. But each company has their own core roster. And um, yeah, uh, and they have different ethics of of doing business they have different ideas of how to build shows and it was about a year ago or so that uh freedoms started doing u.s style booking basically and this year it really picked up they've got guys doing heel turns forming heel groups they're doing run-ins they're doing all of this stuff and it creates uh a month to month well a a two-week to two weeks because they do shows every two weeks basically uh-huh. a two week to, to two week storyline you know and um my wife she's never seen wrestling before in her entire life and so i get to take her to shows and when a guy does a heel turn she's like why would he do that i don't understand what's going on you know it's so fun to me to do that whereas big japan is much more guy you know guy man dude versus strong boy and i will defeat you you know it's more like that classic classic japanese booking style yeah i definitely have noticed that through my experience of watching um freedoms as well as big japan since i've started to learn about those two promotions and realize there's more deathmatch wrestling than just in the united states um and yes um i know that ere and freedoms has really been hot as of late that i mean that faction yeah i don't think you could have imagined of course the big story in japan was sakuda leaving big japan going to freedoms yeah. find some still finding his footing in a, a way but to form a faction that has really gotten over in the states even like you hear people in the united states being like oh yeah ere is really over and i'm like that that's pretty global because considering sakuda is a very American-oriented deathmatch person. It's very interesting to see that. Um, I, I am curious, though, with um, going to these shows, I, I do want, as you, you already did put out a difference with this kind of styles that both companies do, but um, how, what, what's the experience like as a fan at these shows? Is there, like, a difference or... yeah. Oh, it's a huge difference. Um, I mean, at, at, at free. Okay, what people need to realize about Japanese wrestling, and I hate to say what people need to realize, but it's just such a different world where, um, like there, you know, we have like you know, the uh, the streaming services and all this type of stuff. Um, that stuff's not popular here. Samurai TV. Okay, Samurai TV is a satellite uh pay channel. You have to pay money to get it on satellite. Um. Satellite TV at any given moment has between five to 10,000 subscribers in the entire country. You know, um, these, uh, uh, I know that Nico, uh, 
Nico Plus, which was a YouTube version of Nico Nico, which uploaded a wrestling show every day, that topped out at about 500 subs in the entire world. You know what I mean? The, 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 the viewing base for viewing Japanese wrestling on a screen is very fucking small. And if you're a foreigner, you're a bonus. You're not the target audience. You're a bonus to those guys. They aren't going like, holy shit, we got more subs in California. They don't care. You know, <laughs> it's like, that's a bonus. What their business is, is live event shit, selling merchant chin chin dice um sponsors you, you, sponsors when you go to these shows your chair has a flyer from like a local cell phone store or something you know it's about live event business so um i'm sorry what was the fucking question <laughs> it's, fine, it's fine man oh oh wait, okay so what's it, it like to go yeah so um with free or excuse me with big japan big japan is completely the crowd that goes there is completely dependent on what the match is and do they want to see it? Because big Japan is not a character company. It's not a cult of personality company. It's about, Oh, wow. They built up this match and they haven't done it in a while. So I want to watch it. They built up Isami Kodaka versus Yuko Miyamoto. And that's a match they haven't done in a while. And I want to watch it. So I will buy a ticket and I will go see it. Whereas freedoms is much more like a cult freedoms is much more like I fucking love freedoms. It's a fucking brand. I love, you know, Kasai or Takeda, whatever. And it's much more that, that cult. And when you go to freedom show pre COVID, I mean, it was so much more, you could really feel it pre COVID. I mean, God, man, pre-COVID, we could get drunk up in there. We didn't have to sit, sit in seats, you know, and it was a rowdy fucking place to be. And and they would oversell shows, and we were just packed in like fucking uh, chicken coops, you know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, at a Freedom Show, it was much more a fucking party with a wrestling match happening. Big Japan is much more like baseball. You know, it's much more, oh, I got off work at 5.30. I might head down. They they do a lot more walk-up business. You know what I mean? Um, and it's 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 much more older people, guys in business suits. Um, it's much more people who have just kind of been following it since their childhood kind of thing, you know? Oh, it's much okay. more respectful. Ha-ha. Ooh, good clothesline kind of shit. Whereas in Freedoms, it's way more... They're Japanese, so they aren't going to say "fuck your mother," but they will say like "I do not respect you, sir." You know what I mean? Kind of. Thing. Yeah, I, I get yeah. that absolutely. It's very interesting. But, yeah, that you say yeah. that about BJW being more formal. I didn't really think about that until now that I'm well, like going back and like watching, thinking about the matches that I've watched versus Freedoms. Where, yeah, you're right. Freedoms it feels like a real crowd, a real party. So, well, Big Japan is run by a wrestler who's 79. Who you know, like this Japan? is. Yeah, uh, great Kodujika. You know, okay. I mean, he's 79. He wrestled in all Japan in the, you know, in the 60s and 70s and stuff. So what I've always heard kind of, you know, that will Pete, that the wrestlers will kind of comment on is he sees wrestling this way. You know, he's old. It's like if Jerry Jarrett started a company, it would probably be a Jerry Jarrett company. You know what I mean? <laughs> he sees wrestling as a sports competition. You know, yeah, I think that's very interesting. And um, you were you were talking about a little bit. Um, how is it like with the wrestlers at both companies? I know you definitely have some insight into that. Yeah. And there's definitely um, been some very public 
opinions towards the way that both companies are being run. Well, it's like, you know, it's very hard to talk about this because I never, you know, one time, well, it happened more than once. I became the source of a rumor and, you know, and, and it's more so people just misconstruing what I say. And that happens all over the, you know, all, all time. So exactly. I'm always very, I'm very careful when I talk about this stuff and I'm very careful to, to state what is public and what is not public. Yeah. But, um, Big Japan will run in one month anywhere from 10 to 25 times. There's been months where they run every single day practically. They do sold shows. They do spot shows. They do sponsored shows. They do dojo shows. It goes on and on and on. They are a merchant chin, a merchandise monster. The stack of merchandise at their shows is outrageous. They have like, it's literally like, get your big japan action figures and pillows and flamethrower like oh it, it's, it's seriously like like space balls you know it, it's crazy <laughs> the merch that they print up and and they have a huge roster the big japan contracted roster is over 20 guys like it's wow. very big with freedoms it's like 12 you know and so with big japan and plus they have this huge dojo facility in Yokohama they have various little business interests like a stores they own vending machines around town you know with freedoms it's much more like this tiny tiny company it's it's a very very tiny company i haven't seen their their uh their training dojo but i've seen photos of it and it's an apartment with oh, pads wow. in it you know what i mean versus big japan's uh dojo is it is is a giant warehouse it's a wow. huge warehouse with with you know dorms and bunks I and think shit i saw the bjw one when they did deathmatch survivor the sakuda yeah. yeah i know what you're talking about yeah yeah, it's huge. And so actually that was because someone's going to get me. That was the 2AW dojo. But the oh, that was? Dojo, okay. It's similar. It's similar. It's almost the same thing. Okay. It, 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 it's as big and stuff. I don't want someone being like, oh, he thinks he's smart. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was the 2AW. Do- Actually, that was the 2AW dojo, <laughs> Einstein. Anyway, so <laughs> I hate Twitter so much. Man. So, uh, so the way that – so what I'm trying to get is as – Last year in May, because of COVID, mm-hmm. Big Japan went bankrupt. They yeah. went completely bankrupt. And, um, you know, you can read in June Kasai's book, which has recently been translated into English and stuff. And you can mm-hmm. hear stories from various Americans who have been there. Masada is one of them. Big Japan has trouble paying guys a lot. You know, there are points throughout history where they have trouble paying guys. Um, now, if you're a freelancer, you get paid. The day you fucking show up, and if they don't pay you, you don't fucking work there. If you're a contracted guy, they give you your health care. You know what I mean? You got to keep showing up. And, yeah, guys have left the company. You know, I know that Big Japan, it's like it's like this double-edged sword where if you stay, you have the potential to get booked 20 times a month and to sell more merch and to blah, 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 and to be part of a guaranteed system. If you leave, you could become your own boss. You could become a bigger star, you know, and everyone has their own mindset. And Sakuda is a guy and uh, Takayuki Ueki are guys who just said, we want to try out our own thing. And I think it's paid off for them big time. But you can see there's guys that have stayed with, you know, the big Japan roster. And they're like, hey, this is my time. I'm going to grab the ball and I'm going to grow and I'm going to, I'm going to take it. So 
I mean, I don't know, man. Like, it's like any company. You have to decide what you're worth in every, every, everything. And I think that Big Japan and Freedoms offer different things to the the uh, the workers. Yeah, I think it's very interesting, especially for my listeners who aren't as familiar with the style of work that BJW yeah. or Freedoms um, brings and, to the table. And, and yeah, real quick, when you work for Big J- Big japan or freedoms you have to do office work these guys are literally cleaning and cooking and they're putting up flyers and they're they're doing and all of that stuff and with bjw you're gonna do a lot more of that stuff than with freedoms you know freedoms might be a three or four day a week job big japan is a seven day a week job pretty wow. much wow yeah i think that's definitely a good p- part to bring out because you don't see that in the states or you don't see it very often, per se, unless actually probably never even at all now that I think about it. So I think it's definitely something to bring up that this is literally their job for some of these guys. This is their livelihoods. And um, it definitely is interesting that you bring up the double-edged sword part with Big Japan because I do remember when World of Deathmatch first started, you guys went into very grave detail about, of course, the BJW versus CZW wars. Of course, um, the whole infamous John Zandig run where he made himself champion and whatnot. It basically was the kingpin of BJW for a while. And of course, um, it's interesting that you bring up that payment part because that's something I did not know. And I'm so, as I said, guys, I'm still learning day by day about this stuff as well. I'm a student of the game, as they say. So I kind of want to shift gears towards the American side of things, of course. Sure. Um, Your um, involvement with the GCW Patreon. Um, I know you speak very highly of GCW, and um, I just want you to kind of, if someone were to ask you why GCW is your favorite company at the moment right now in wrestling, what what are the reasons for that statement? So, um, I'm I'm really open about this, and if anybody feels differently, good for you. It's a great time to watch wrestling. There's so much motherfucking wrestling. <laughs> it's coming out our ears. It's it's insane. You have IWTV. You have you know all of, every everything is streamed on Fight. All of the Japanese stuff is here to watch. You, you, you know, obviously you have the WWE Network and all the brands they've got. Um, I don't have time. I don't have time. I did not watch Camp Leapfrog. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I I didn't. You know, I don't have time. So for me, I made the equivalency that to me, a wrestling com- it, wrestling is is like baseball, and the companies are the teams. Now I might like the Yankees, right? And I'll watch every fucking Yankee game, but I don't watch the Padres games. I don't watch the Texans games. You know what I mean? I, I don't ha- I don't have time to watch. The Texas games. Now there are fantasy baseball players that watch every fucking game all day nonstop. <laughs> and they've got the, you know, the red zone, you know, the strike zone channel that has 20 games on screen. There are yeah. those, those guys. But for me, if I'm going to, you know, I'd say I got time for one show a month or excuse me, one show a week and maybe some highlights on a Sunday. You know what I mean? To watch. Mm-hmm. So to me, game changer wrestling just gives you a lot of stuff, man. You can see a lot of death matches if you want. And real quick, I remember there was a point last year when people were like, does GCW even run fucking death matches? And Brett was like, hot, like we ran three death matches last show. What are these people talking about? You know, it's hilarious, but you know, um, they give you variety of, of the roster is constantly bringing in more, 
more people, you get high-end angles, you get high-end feuds, you get death matches. Um, and it's just interesting, you know, like there's, if tomorrow they were like, hey, we're running a show uh, in Thailand on an elephant refuge and we're donating <laughs> money to them. It's like, oh, damn, that's interesting. Like, that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? I equate to like the first time you saw a shotgun Saturday night, the WWE show, it was like, whoa, this is interesting. I, I like watching this because the thing is I can watch. I can watch two guys run the ropes and tie up. I can watch that all fucking day. I, I am a firm believer of the more you see of something, the less you give a shit about it. Uh, and so to me, if I've got so much time, yeah, GCW is like going to be a stop for me 99% of the time in some way. Um, maybe I'll fast forward a little bit because I don't like all styles of wrestling. Mm -hmm. Not every, everybody does, but I guarantee I'll find some stuff I really like. And you have the hot crowds. Hot crowds mean so much in wrestling. Um, Onita playing to a dead crowd is not fun. You know what I mean? You need <laughs> hot crowds. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's why I think the Game Changer Wrestling does stand above most companies. I really do. Yeah, I think one thing we have learned in the pandemic era is that wrestling needs crowds, and crowds yeah. need wrestling. It's you, you can't have one and have the other, and um. Yes, I did go to the shows, outdoor shows in Indianapolis, and it it didn't have that same feeling as per I had I attended TOS six six six, which was the official real first full crowd at the showboat, and the energy was just different there. It really was, yeah. and of course, um, you it did watch T you did watch TOS six six six. And of course, your friend and my friend, a friend of the show, and Alex Cologne, um, made history the three peats, of course. And what was truly, in my opinion, I know I don't know about you, truly, I think three of the best matches I think any single wrestler on the planet could possibly have. Um, what were your thoughts on TOS six six six? I mean, you know, I, I, I never try to go into hyperbole and be like, this was the greatest fucking. Yeah, I never try yeah. to do that because your memory. I mean, there's been how many deathmatch tournaments? Probably like 200. Yeah, you know I mean, but the the shit that stands out will always kind of be there in the front of your brain. And TOS 666, I mean, in 10 years, am I going to think it was so great? Maybe not. But in three years, probably. In three years, I'll probably still be going, man, but do you remember when Alex Cologne, 3 P, you know, that it, it, it was like the perfect storm of just the crowds are back. Alex had a great angle and it was great, great matches. You know, they um, and I think that, oh, shit, babe, is the male here? Her <laughs> male is here. So, oh, shit, the mangoes are here, aren't they? <laughs> You have to buy mangoes here through the mail. Really? Oh, and goodness. they're expensive. Oh man. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, I think the TOS six 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 is was great. And you know, I was just watching Masters of Pain, and it's not to take away anything from it. It was a really fun, fun tournament. But it's like when again going back to baseball, it's like a Yankees versus the Red Sox playoff game yeah. versus a mid-season, you know, kind of day game. You know, yeah. it, it just, TOS is the big game. And I thought it was great. It really did live up to any and all expectation. This was a roster that, in my opinion, was a lot more, like, opportunistic. You weren't going to get every powerhouse in the game to do that tournament. You had Masters of Pain the next week. 
You have King of the Deathmatch down the road. You have everything in between. It's, it's summer of death matches, so we're, we're, yeah. we're buckling up for the ride. But this TOS 666 roster absolutely blew it out of the water for the opportunities they were given. I mean, look at Effie. Effie had a near 30-minute it was like, what was it, 20 minutes for 22 Effie? minutes or something like that. That, yeah, that, that is more than I think you could, he could have ever imagined in an opportunity with a guy like Raver who is really back in the saddle. That uh, He is back in the saddle. He is back doing death matches when he wasn't too sure and gave us really the match of a lifetime for Effie in all honesty. But, of course, as well, I mean, Atticus Coger, I can't speak enough about him, me and Alex spoke very highly of him when he came on the show, just how yeah. he is fo- formed into this absolute awe-inspiring bad guy who, well, yeah, go ahead. My thing about that, um, I just want to make a quick comment, and I always will say up front, I'm not a, I'm not a wrestler, because in my, in my life, through watching YouTube shoot interviews and stuff, wrestlers hate the fuck out of non-wrestlers criticizing their work, right? <laughs> yeah, right. They hated, you know, Bully Ray trying to tune up people and shit. So um, I just want to say, I'm not a wrestler. I'm a fan. But from a fan point of view and from a Japanese wrestling point of view where they take training and things like that much more uh, patiently, I want to say this. Atticus Kogar is, um, he's like the whole, he's the real deal. You know, that dude was under our, our SP's wing. He was not a main event player for the past, how's it long, been 18 months or so? No. He's been, you know, he's been, I don't want to say doing the jobs, but he's been an undercard guy. You know what I mean? And he slowly developed this character. He slowly developed his match uh, uh, style. He works all coming H2O, ICW, GCW. He wins, he loses, he does tag matches, blah, blah, blah. And, and it shows when he had that, you know, the TOS final, everyone was like, oh shit, this is, the fucking next guy this is the next guy we can all see it he he's not the guy now but this is the next guy no doubt about it and there's other guys who are coming up at the same time who are being pushed too hard who aren't working enough companies who aren't doing enough different match styles who haven't evolved their character and i just think atticus stands head and shoulders above all of the 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 new crop, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I 100% agree with that. I'm glad someone else said it because if I said it, they'd be like, oh, it's his podcast. Of course, he'd say it. But yeah, Atticus yeah, yeah. really is head above everyone in what he's. And mm-hmm. I, I will say, like, the matches he's had with Alex, like, look back to last TOS. Yeah. He had that match. It was pretty good. Like, you could tell they had a chemistry there. Flash forward, New Year's Day. Alex was able to kind of slow his motions, but get more out of him than I think maybe other wrestlers could. Then flash forward to TOS 666, where he was given a final opportunity. Like maybe, maybe for other wrestlers, like going 0 and 3 or something like that would be detrimental. But for Atticus, there's a story at each and every single match, which it's almost crazy that a a novel concept like that is kind of sometimes a lost art. What do you think? And Atticus well, has found that it's like, it's, it's not, I mean, it's, I guess, yeah, it's a lost art just because it doesn't have, I mean, wrestling is so, I hesitate to call it hot shotting because you aren't even hot shotting anything. No wrestling is just so thrown 
together they're now. You know, wrestling is the, you know, most companies are you get on a cell phone and just go, uh, you, you and you, you know what I mean? Like that's, and, and that's it. But here you have two guys who you have, you know, a company that kind of lets the wrestlers do their own, own booking and trust them. And then you have two guys who put a lot of effort into their, their booking and it shows. And, um, one thing I want to point out before we move on Atticus, his promo work is next level compared to oh yeah almost the entire independent wrestling community like i will literally share like 50 times his promos from anything he does and some people will, will no sell it some people but like i'm like this is the guy you need to listen to now like yeah. they, like I, I could just pick a the cole radrick promo or the the tos part two parter or the masada promo like he, yeah. he, he, it's all out there. Like, like he convinces me in less than two minutes to say, "Damn, this is why you I want to watch about that. Yeah. I want to watch that." <laughs> and it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's sometimes that is apparently a lost star. Like some guys do do the promo, and it's not <clears throat> the best. But we're all working on it. But with him, it's like he's found it in his own modernistic way that makes it feel fresh. Well, it's like I do, you know, I do fucking video work, and I know what goes into doing video work and, and and he does video work you know he gets he gets clips of movies and he does you know he makes it into a real video that it's like okay this is cool to watch you know what i mean it's not just guys in the chair sitting in their fucking computer room just <laughs> july 12th you know it, it's like no he you know he's he's fucking he's writing it down he's writing poetry about that that match he's using the symbol it's like wow this was fun to watch for two minutes and 20 seconds um and i know that that ta- that that takes work and time to put in. And I compare it to Schlack, you know, Schlack 100% got over to the point that he is off of his first, that, that first year or two that he was doing promos uh-huh. and people love those promos because nobody else was doing promos in that way. Mm-hmm. And now Schlack doesn't need to do those promos. And maybe there'll come a time when Atticus doesn't have time to do those for all of his matches, but um, it, it's putting in the work. It's grabbing the brass ring is the, 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 the phrase you know yeah grabbing the brass string um yeah i think that you bring up all just great points as always steve and of course um with talking about the world of death match and um who are other guys that you see that have um really caught your attention throughout the last year maybe during the pandemic or even before like who are guys that you think are like okay this guy definitely is interesting Sure. Um, I'll be completely honest. Like, if you're not on this list, then I I don't know what to tell you. I think number one is obviously going to be fucking Nolan Edward. I think Nolan Edward. That was a dude that, you know, I, he. I said it a whole bunch on the podcast. I, he shouldn't be doing death matches. He should be. <laughs> no, he should be an impact tag team guy or something. You know, he should be like a lost in the shuffle guaranteed contract NXT guy. You know, yeah, right. he's got so much, but. He said, no, that ain't the, that ain't the, the path for me or whatever, you know, um, he brings so much to the table. He's obviously, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know him. Maybe he's a big dick, but he gives off all the impression of being a very patient, calculated guy who wants to learn and and improve and all this type of stuff. I can tell you now that of all of these guys, uh, the Japanese fucking wrestlers pop for him the most. Really? You know, off of the the shows that kind of get passed around, you know. Yeah. What I mean? Um. Uh. And uh, so, yeah, I think that Nolan Edwards stands head and shoulders above all of them, uh, next to Atticus, of course. 
of that, I mean, I think that Ruben Steele is really good, but he's like, I mean, and I'm not saying this to slam anybody, he's like 39. He's probably not going to be like the next big thing. Um, I think that Effie, obviously, Effie brings, Effie cut that promo where he was like, people are saying that I shouldn't be in uh, the TOS, but you don't understand what I'm bringing in terms of like social yeah. media and stuff. And I made a joke tweet about Effie and he fucking retweeted it. And that is now my most liked tweet of all time. He really <laughs> has a huge social media imprint and Effie um, and he's got balls. He's not holding back anything. Um, and I think that Effie is, uh, I don't think Effie will ever be the, what the, 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 you know, the, I'm a fucking death match guy. I, I, I think he'll always be the hybrid. I can do death matches kind of guy, but Effie brings a lot to the fucking table. He brings a lot of character and he's on top of that, a great wrestler. You know what I mean? Yes. So great, you know, big ups to Effie. Um, and the last one, you know, obviously people are gonna be like, well, what about, uh, Akira? Akira's, <laughs> Akira's great. Um, but, um, you know, I, if I'm going to analyze it, if, you know, if I'm going to put my pen down, right. Okay. What are the pros and cons? Um, I think Akira just hasn't evolved in the way people thought he would. His best match is against Reed Bentley. You know what I mean? Like, like that's it. His best match. His best matches are against his trainers, you know? Yes. Uh, and that's fine that's great and but i think when you watch him you know i was watching masters of pain and you can just see those moments where he you know he's doing the wild flailing strikes or he's um he's um um he's lost you can see him in matches where he's just really lost and he's just clinging for something to do you know there was a match against insane and this was a year ago i'm not saying yeah with jeff king i know exactly where you're talking about with jeff king where he was lost, man. You could see it in his face. He was like, what do I do now? I, I don't know what to do. And I'm not a wrestler. I don't know how you get that knowledge. Uh, but I imagine it's just from fucking wrestling. Yeah. More and more and more matches. Um, so, yeah, I think that Akira just hasn't evolved in the way people think. And Alex Ocean, I think it's completely devolved um, for whatever reason. <laughs> I, you know, and I don't want to get into people's lives, but, you know, no. I mean, he just, he just devolved completely. So that's uh that's my uh my way of land. Am I am I forgetting anybody? Um I would love to point about it. Yeah, I was gonna say oh, oh go ahead. Bam Sullivan, of I've seen of him, he's very good. So yeah, go on. Bam was my very first guest on Your Dose of Death, a dear friend of the show, a guy who um still puts my stuff over to this day. I, I am in absolute gratitude and bam for putting the chance on some 26 year old from North Chicago to do some weird deathmatch podcast. And now look at where we are giving him a shout out 20. So episodes later, Akira as well is a friend of the show. And I think um, I definitely am intrigued to see what Akira does next. Of course, um, winning masters of pain, spoiler alert to anyone who is yeah. not <laughs> either got the DVDs, which I did. I already know. And uh, or taking clips or watching online. Um, Nolan, um, I know Nolan Edward actually. Interesting story. I've heard. This, I don't know if you heard this. He actually was a producer on Impact. Yeah, that blew me away. Yeah, that blew me away as well. I had found out from a friend, and I was like, "That is one way to get into the business before you actually start wrestling as being a producer." And now look, he is a guy who is apparently on the Japanese Deathmatch wrestlers radar now, which is kind of crazy to really think about 
And um, yeah, it's Atticus, as we talked about before, a guy who me and Steve both have really, really um, high regards for. And yeah, Ruben Steele, um, just want to give a shout out to him. I know he just um, hurt his yeah. shoulder and he is going to be in recovery. And yes, I love Ruben Steele, man. I know he is of the older age, but I just watched his match with Aaron Mercer. Uh, it's on YouTube for Heavy Metal Wrestling, a very interesting match with a guy, Aaron Mercer, who's I'm not as familiar with him, but that death match definitely convinced me he can do them. <clears throat> yeah. And so um, shout out to Ruben Steele, best wishes in recovery. I know that is not easy, especially a shoulder injury like that. So I hope we see more of him down the road. So um, just kind of wrapping up here, of course, again, Steven, thank you for coming on. This has been an absolute blast getting to um, peek into your brain, of course, as well for um, as long as we've talked. And um, I just kind of, um, I like to do this with all my guests. Um, I like to give you the time of day to um, just plug away your stuff, plug as much as you can. Uh, The floor is yours, my friend. Sure. I mean, uh, just, you know, the Patreon, that's it. You know, that money does go into our pockets and it helps, you know. Um, So, yeah, just go to the GCW Patreon. We put all of our shit into that. Don't follow me on Twitter. Don't at me. Oh, but here's something you could do. Uh, (laughs) Go to Twitch. Uh, Go to Twitch. Search like Stephen A, A A-Y-Y. And um, I'm, 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 uh, I'm leaving Japan next month. And uh, I'll have a lot of free time. I plan on, on uh, streaming on Twitch. Follow me there. I'm going to be doing uh, TEW booking. I'm going to be playing Mario uh, Kaizo hacks. So that would be something that you could do to support me. But yeah, that's about it. You know, I, I, I try to keep a low profile in general. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right, man. I mean, I just, I, I love giving yeah. everyone the time to do that. Yeah, I'm not selling t-shirts or anything <laughs> like that. So yeah. Yeah, rest in peace, uh, shopping with Ninja. Of course, that oh, endeavor. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> no, hey, uh, okay. I supported it. Yeah, no, no, it was great, man. I mean, the people that did shout out, and you know, I, I'll still, you know, until I leave, I'm willing to, you know, if anybody wants merchandise, uh, I'm going to a couple shows before I leave next month, and I, I'm, I'm all about helping people out. But what happened was, you know, um, I had like a merch store where I would just, Hey, I'm going to a freedom show. Do you guys want, want shirts yeah. and posters and shit? And, uh, my margins were pretty low. I was trying to be really nice about it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And long story short, I just had boom, boom, boom. Three people stuck me with high end items and it wiped out any money I made for a, a whole month. And I was like, this is a stupid business. I'm not doing this anymore. Fuck this. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, you know, it was a good, I, I enjoyed it. I know many people, I know some people did. And of course, um, I was sad to see it go. I did actually end up getting a bunch of stuff. I'd have my, um, on my work desk, I had my little um, bloody June Kasai thing still standing there since it got shit to me. So I thank you for that. It's my little desk buddy now is bloody Kasai. Um, no problem. Yeah. And um, of course, again, thank you, Steven, for um, coming on. Of course. Um, you're a well of knowledge in my mind. And I hope others who get to listen to this really um, get a real understanding of the wrestling from your point of view. And it's always nice to get different points of view. So again, thank you, Steven, for get, taking the time out of your day to talk with me, man. One more plug, just cause um, uh, if you haven't seen it and you want to learn more about this stuff, you cannot find a better source of info than the history of FMW. You can find that uh, at, uh, bahu fm hold on i gotta double check the yeah, go url ahead. yep yeah go to bahu and they have a there's a youtube series history of yes F, 
MW. It starts in 1989 and it goes all through all of the Japanese deathmatch match wrestling through Big Japan and Freedoms and IWA and Wing. And that is probably the best. I mean, it's it's fucking 40 hours wow. of hardcore learning. Yeah. If, 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 I've, if, I've watched a few of those. Weirdo, <laughs> yeah. I've watched a few of those episodes. They're insane how well done they are. And yes, Bahu, FMW, they, they do an incredible job with the history of FMW yeah. stuff. So, and uh, um, the final episode of the 2020 episode is going to be coming up pretty soon. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. And of course a good, good time to listen to it with um, FMWE coming out very soon. I know you're going to be oh, going yeah. to that as well. I am. Yeah. That's going to be, be real my awesome. last wrestling show. No, 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 no. Freedom's on the fifth is my last, but yeah, that's that. That's my, my last two shows before I leave Japan. So, well, um, Again, Stephen, thank you so damn much for coming on this show. And for everyone listening, maybe, maybe not hit him up, or at least could support on the GCW Patreon podcast. Um, he is an awesome individual. Thank you for everything you do, Stephen. Thank you to everyone listening to this episode. Um, from Lauren Rosenberg, Stephen A., um, thank you guys for listening, and um, we're signing off. Thank you. This has been a Countout Podcast.